Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you, Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? Doing good. Hope you are, Jason. Have you got most of your Christmas shopping out of the way, or are you uh, like I've me got, and you wait till the last I've minute? Got, well, actually, I've got uh, the the one thing that I have to have. I've, okay. I've, I've got that taken care of. You're a smart man. <laughs> not that I ever the doubted rest, that. The rest of it, you know, can wait. I'm not... Uh, yeah, I guess I'm like a lot of other fellows out there that I'm not much of a shopper. When I go to the store, I pretty much know what I want to find. I find it and I get out as quickly as I can. <laughs> I, I, I'm not one who likes to win the shop or... Or even, I'm just not a good shopper. It's like, get it done, get out. <laughs> efficiency. Efficiency is the key there. Well, Bill, let's... Well, well, we are steaming towards Christmas, so I shouldn't be such a Grinch. But... No, no, no. <laughs> you have fun uh, you know, deciding what the gift is, but when it comes to actually acquiring the gift, it's speed that counts. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. And, of course, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm one who can uh, be satisfied with delayed gratification and by, by that, I mean that the real savings come after Christmas. So, you know, truthfully, that's the better time to shop. The only problem there is you're shopping over with leftovers. That's right. But, you know. <laughs> but you're getting a deal, and that's, that's not so but bad. That's right. I mean, that's the time to buy a whole lot of stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, even then, it's like it's, there has to be something that I really want that um, would, would – that's the only thing that would make me go – to the store and actually shop or even look online, you know, which is easier, but it's, you know. <laughs> Saves you a little bit of grief. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's get hmm. into our first topic at hand, Bill, and I know you wanted to talk a little bit about Social Security. I do, I, and it's, it's, um, it's something that I talk to clients about all the time. Uh, it's uh, a topic where... Um, uh, you, you know, I, I have um, referred more folks out to Warren Coble, who was my buddy down in Ashboro. He's not a lawyer. He's a Social Security expert. And uh, he's he's been a pretty good teacher for me because I know an awful lot about Social Security and uh, the elections that take place. But, but uh, uh, frankly... Um, it's it's really helpful for folks to uh, have an expert to uh, basically mentor them through uh, Social Security elections. Uh, you know, the, most people think Social Security is just easy as pie, no big deal. Uh, just uh, uh, sign up and get your money. And and the fact is that the Social Security elections can be very complex. And, uh, it, it, I mean, let me put it this way. I think this says it all. I'm pretty smart about Social Security. I've studied it. I know about it. But when it came to my own elections on Social Security, I went to Warren Coble for advice. I, I mean, I wanted to make sure that, I mean, it was, it was like... I was pretty sure that what I was doing was uh, the right way to go, but I wanted to make darn sure that what I thought was the right way to go. Uh, and and one of the nice things was the fact that um, 
he actually did it for me. So, um, you know, I, he did the paperwork. <laughs> I like that, too. That helps. But, and he's also very inexpensive. So I, I recommend him all the time to folks because it's extremely helpful. But uh, really what I got, got me interested in talking about it this morning is that there was an article uh, in the News and Observer a week or so ago um, about Social Security. And the headline of the uh, article was, The Rich Get a Windfall from Social Security, Study Says. Uh, and, and it was a pretty uh, lengthy article uh, on that. And it was actually an article that was reprinted from one that was in the Los Angeles Times. So we, we don't want to take away from that. But it was in the News and Observer. And um, because it's a topic that I think is important, I've read every word of it. Um, now, people who have been to, um, you know, my clients, they know that uh, anyone who has not made a Social Security election yet, in other words, they've, they've haven't spilt the milk yet. <laughs> I, I typically talk to them about how important a Social Security election is, and because it's for those folks who are nearing retirement age or who are retired, the Social Security income for most people is a very important source of money uh, to pay for all of their needs. And, and there are an awful lot. The, the majority of people in this country own Social Security. That's the only income they have. And there are an awful lot of folks that don't have much of a nest egg, if any, to fall back on. Uh, and the, the fact is, one of the reasons that the Social Security election is so important to people is because it's hard, it's getting harder and harder even if you you know you even if you cut out all of <laughs> all of the extravagant things that we do and tighten the belt it's getting harder and harder if not impossible to live on social security um, and um, that and each year it gets more difficult. Now, uh, now, why do you think that might be? Because Social Security does have what's called cost of living increases. Uh, so, the uh, here, you know, I'm testing you again. Why do you think if there's a cost of living increase each year that it gets harder and harder for people to live on Social Security? That doesn't make sense, does it? Does it have to do with that scary word of inflation? It does, but cost of living is supposed to take care of inflation. So why would it be more difficult for folks? I'm guessing the math doesn't add up, that maybe the inflation outpaces the cost of living adjustment. Exactly. That's, uh, you're exactly right, because the index that Social Security uses to increase the money each year, like, for instance, this year— uh, from 2019, in other words, in January 2020, Social Security checks are going to go up. How much are they going to go up? I, I believe if I read this right, uh, and this was something I read a few weeks ago, and I may be wrong by a little bit, I think it's going up 1.6%. And the problem is that the cost for – now, that may be accurate as a cost of living adjustment across the board for everybody. But the problem is, is that for seniors, 
their cost of living rises at a faster pace than the cost of living for everybody else. Now, why do you think that might be? Oh, I don't know, Bill. Oh, come on. What What's the one thing that seniors uh, face as a population more so than younger people who might be healthy? Health, what do you think it might be? Healthcare. How about that? <laughs> okay, there it is. Health care inflation typically rises by in the neighborhood of 5% a year, or at least that historically it has over the last 10 or 20 years. So, and guess what? Most seniors use the health care system far more than young, healthy people, right? Right. Well, that's, that's the biggie uh, as it relates. So, in essence, Social Security adjustments don't keep up with the increased costs for seniors and that's and so each year it gets a little worse each year you know every year goes by it gets a little worse in terms of whether that social security will actually uh, be enough now for those folks who've been my clients they know that what i have said about social security elections as a general rule because everybody's different as a general rule you should delay taking Social Security until the last possible moment, which is age 70, <laughs> unless one of two things is true. And what – I mean, you've been around me a long time, Jason. So what are those one or two things? Uh, you're extremely sick. Right. Or you're dirt poor. Well, in other words, you don't have enough money to eat. Yeah. That's exactly right. In other words, you are uh, you can't pay the power bill and or you don't have enough food to put on the table. Um, obviously, under those circumstances, you have to uh, – or you're pushed to take Social Security uh, early under those circumstances. And – and I, I think that my advice rings true. Now, for married couples or for folks who have been married um, and they're no longer married because uh, they were divorced after a long marriage uh, or uh, they lost their spouse, there are additional uh, elections that can be made and should be considered in terms of, of uh, your Social Security elections. And that's what makes it so complicated for people and why they need to get advice before they – and I'm not talking about advice by going down to the Social Security Administration because those folks, uh, even if they're trying to be helpful, they, they can only allocate about 10 minutes to actually helping you, and that's not enough time to understand your personal situation. And that's why you really need uh, good professional advice before you make your Social Security elections because uh, sometimes – I mean, I've been shocked. The biggest mistake that I see people make uh, – and these, these are folks who've already made their election when they come to see me – it just tears me up at the mistakes people make when it comes to their Social Security elections because they don't know better. It's it's they think it's easy and it's not. Um, so um, it it is so important that folks really understand those dynamics. But all right, now let uh, let me get back to this study because it's interesting. 
because for, for most people, we've always thought, and, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because this was new to me. I mean, it was a unique um, way of thinking about it. It's consistent with what I had uh, thought in the past, but it's n- new material for me, if you will. Um, and that is um, why it, it, it should, I mean, for, for instance, the way it was originally calculated, it should make, um, a, you should be able to receive about the same amount of money uh, if you claim early versus claim late. But that's really not how it works at all. And the reason is real simple. If you claim early, there's a heavy penalty for claiming early. And it's a lifelong penalty that you can never recover from. And, and so um, and, and then if you delay claiming from each year, from early, where you can actually claim early. And by early, for most people, that means you can claim as early as age 62. For uh, widows and widowers, you can claim as early as 60. Uh, and full retirement age, for most people, uh, ter- you know, getting, you know, looking at it right now, full retirement age is somewhere between 66 and 67, closer to 66 now. Uh, but in a few years, it'll be closer to 67, and then the full retirement age will be 67. But you can also delay to age 70. So that's the latest age to actually elect Social Security. And what a lot of folks don't realize is that the bonus you receive is far greater then the, in, in other words, the penalty is more severe, but the bonus is really sweet because the bonus is on a monthly basis, but on a yearly basis, it's eight percent per year in additional payments. So what it boils down to is those folks who um, might want to claim at sixty-seven at full retirement age for them, they only have to live to be about 78 before they get back all of the money that they lost um, uh, by not claiming at 67. And hey, most people, the great majority of people live past 78. And uh, then the the reason this article, and this is what was interesting to me, the reason this article basically says the rich get richer and the poor get poorer on Social Security uh, has to do with two things. And that is basically folks who are well-to-do generally don't need to elect early. Now, the fact is I have lots of clients who are very well-to-do, and guess what they do? They elect early. <laughs> Duh. Not good. But – and that, that's the huge mistake. But the, the – now, in other words, well-to-do people have enough money where they don't have to get the Social Security at age 62 or 63 or 64 or any time before full retirement age. And, of course, if you're still working at age 62, 63, 64, 65, 
why would you even consider taking Social Security if you have enough money to, to make it? But the fact is we're all living longer, um, and, and this is where it gets really interesting as, it, as the study shows. And what it boils down to, <laughs> and I've never thought about this statistically, but it makes a lot of sense, and that is folks who are well-to-do um, have a better chance of living longer. And folks who are not doing well financially tend to not live as long as those who have good financial resources. I mean, we all know that folks who are well-to-do can get the best health care around because they can afford it, and folks who have very little money can't do that. So obviously those are – but statistically, it is absolutely true that folks of wealth live – statistically live longer. Now, obviously, uh, all of us can have diseases and things that, that will take us out early, we, you know, but, it, but as a group, as a whole. You know, and obviously, there's other statistical things, too. In other words, uh, whites statistically, white folks live statistically longer than black folks. And so that's another one, you know. Uh, which is unfortunate for, for those folks uh, as it relates to that, but it, but statistically it's it's true. And uh, but income is the big is the big factor. Yeah, and that makes a whole lot of sense. And I know there's a couple more points that you want to get to, and we got to take a quick break, but we'll get right back to it. You're listening to Asset Protection today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we are talking all about social social security and making that election and the uh, many factors that go into that bill. And we've talked about some of the mistakes people make uh, and how this isn't a, a 10 minute conversation. It's really a, a long <laughs> analysis of different kind of numbers. But we were also talking about the correlation between how the wealthy tend to end up a little bit better when it comes to social security. Well, and so how does that work? Well, bottom line is the folks who are well-to-do, if they make a smart election, they defer. Okay. And if you defer and you live long enough, you will actually game the system and have substantially more money over time. Uh, and then if you live longer, which well-to-do people statistically do, then you've gamed the system twice because – and so now, uh, from a, a, just a general point of view, and it's not ex- – this; these are not exact numbers, but for instance, uh, if I had taken personally and, you know, if I had taken um, Social Security um, early – in other words, at age 62, which I did not do, of course, um, my Social Security check would have been in the neighborhood of $1,500, $1,600, somewhere in there, uh, per month. And if I had taken Social Security at 
full retirement age, and that for me would have uh, been 66, my Social Security check would have been close to $2,500 a month. And to the degree that I delayed between 66 and 70, which is where I'm at right now, (laughs) (laughs) when I turn 70 and take my full retirement, my Social Security check will be getting close to $3,500 a month. Well, when you think about the difference between 15, now it's not exact, but the difference between $1,500 and $3,500 a month, that's huge, you see, because if I had taken early, I'd have been penalized. Right. And by taking late, I get bonuses. And that's, and that's what really matters. Now, Statistically, because uh, I was, and I still am, in excellent health, and I'm over 65 at this point, which statistically means I should live, uh, if I don't get sick, obviously, I should live into my late 80s statistically now, okay? And so if, if I just live to to my early 80s, and the numbers vary because my full retirement age was 66 rather than 67, so I need to live to 81 or 82 to game the system. So assuming that I live to be 82, I will have received more money from Social Security than I, if I had taken Social Security at 66 or 62, either one. So. Now, the other thing that uh, when it comes to Social Security in terms of gaming the system is because my wife uh, is on Social Security, and she actually, and this was planned, this, this is where uh, Warren helped us make elections, she took Social Security at full retirement age, and it allowed me to draw on her Social Security account. So once she elected to take her, now I couldn't do that before she started drawing Social Security, but as soon as she started drawing Social Security and I reached my full retirement age, without a penalty, I could take her uh, half of her Social Security. And not and defer my own Social Security until 70. So I'm actually collecting Social Security now, but not on my own retirement um, account. So when I turn 70, I'll get my full retirement account. So that will give us even more money. So that that's the kind. Now, the other thing that's really important for folks is that uh, from a, a retirement perspective, it is really important particularly if you enjoy what you do, to keep working and not to retire early as it relates to not running out of money, which is a big concern for a lot of folks. And so the longer you can work, the better. Now, there are folks out there who can't work because they're disabled and, and those kind of things. But for those who can and they don't get fired and they have a job that they can can do, um, because if you're drawing Social Security early and you're still working, you get a double penalty. So truthfully, for most folks, if you still have a job and you're still working, it's absolutely crazy to take Social Security early because then you get a double penalty and you get additional taxes and the whole bit. So 
you know, there's just so many reasons why folks really need to know what they're doing about Social Security. And for me, with my clients, I, I take them through the basics and just give them, a, you know, sort of a, um, a, a, a cram course on what they need to be thinking about. And then I send them to Warren where, you know, he can give them the specifics on really uh, what's in their best interest. But even Warren has to defer. He can't say do this or do that. He has to say it, it really comes down to your health. Because if you're healthy and you live to a expected age, then it's a no-brainer. But, you know, the fact of the matter is we don't control <laughs> when we die. That's out of our hands. And, you know, life can throw curves at us. You know, I just uh, – and that's that's the thing that, that makes this such a um, – uh, from a – just from an academic perspective, it, it makes it interesting. But no matter how you look at it, uh, it, there's a little gamble in there because you have to – your elections are based – it should be based on your ability to live, your ability to eat and stay warm in the winter and those kind of things. Uh, but it, it really comes down to your health and um, nobody, nobody can predict when uh, you're you're gonna leave this earth, and so that's that's the uh, uh, where you actually come from. <laughs> it throws a big amount of uncertainty into a, a rather large decision when it comes to. Uh, asset protection and mm -hmm. uh you're you're planning for after you retire so yeah it's a very big choice and as you said it's something that you probably need to spend a considerable amount of time going over the numbers doing the math and seeing what works for you but yeah you do have to factor in health and that can be the wild card in mm -hmm. this decision we have to take a quick break but we'll be back with more stick around you're listening to asset protection today with attorney bill alexander on news radio 680 wptf News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong. He is Bill Alexander, and we thank you for joining us this morning talking about Social Security. And Bill, I was hoping that, you know, after all this, you would just have some magic number or some magic date for when I need to take Social Security. But unfortunately, it's just not that simple. Well, it, it, it you know, when you get to the basics, it, it it, there are some simple things that you need to keep in mind, but the the actual decision can be complex, and that's why you know people like Warren Coble are important. Uh, and the good thing about Warren Coble is that he's very inexpensive, and uh, he's not a lawyer. He's actually a Social Security expert, and I don't know of anything anybody better. Uh, at giving people advice and relating to it. But there's several other points that I, uh, very quickly, that I want to make on Social Security, and then I want to move into another topic. But first of all, there are folks who tell me, oh, we need to get our money now at age 62 
because Social Security is going bankrupt and there's not going to be enough to pay us uh, later on, so let's get it while getting's good. <laughs> and the fact is, that is so wrong. The Social Security system is not bankrupt. It's not going bankrupt. The Social Security system is actually in pretty good financial shape. Uh, and that is just a myth, and the people who buy into it uh, are just uh, wrongheaded uh, when it comes to that. The other thing, too, is it's highly unlikely that Congress is going to take up any kind of Social Security reform anytime soon. So, I mean, and the truth is, they just a few years ago, they did Social Security reform and, and changed it. Uh, where some of the elections that we used to be able to do were taken away from us. They raised the the age from 66 to 67 in terms of full retirement age with, uh, you know. So those are are pretty straightforward things. Um, And, of course, some of the other things about Social Security, uh, yes, it, it could be run better than it is. Anybody who's been a Social Security office knows what a jungle it is and how awful it is. And don't ever go to Social Security office without an appointment. Otherwise, you're going to be there all day waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Um, but folks need to know that your Social Security can be taxed. Um, it's it's not to, meant to be the sole sur- source of your retirement income. Uh, and as I pointed out at the very beginning of the show, that that uh, the the your the Social Security check best case, the purchasing power of Social Security is and will continue to diminish each and every year. So the buying power is less and less and less and less. So that makes your election that much more important. And the general rule is delay will actually get more money, assuming that you live a nice, long uh, life. Now, What's really interesting to me is the last thing on this uh, article and the point that it was trying to make is that well-to-do folks live longer. Uh, And so when Congress uh, raised the full retirement age from 66 to 67, who did that benefit the most? Jason, this is your test question. Oh, boy. I don't know, Bill. Well-to-do people. Yeah. Okay, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and so uh, what um, it boils down to is that um, uh, uh, it reduces the amount of money by raising the full retirement age. It because folks who make uh, at the bottom end of the income uh, pole uh, live. Uh, don't live as long, it basically, again, it reduces the amount of money that they would get from Social Security over their lifetime, and it increases the amount of money that folks at the upper end of the uh, income totem pole uh, would receive. And so uh, that's, you know, because there's been some talk about uh, raising the full retirement age to 70. And, and truthfully, from my own perspective, I, I do think 70 is the right age for, for folks who are healthy to retire or, or later than that. I don't have any retirement plans at age 70. 
But I do think that uh, in the future, people will need to work to 70 if they can to make ends meet, not for Social Security purposes, uh, but just to have enough money in the bank to have that nest egg to, to make it work. Uh, but should Social Security full re- retirement age be raised to 70? And the answer to that, based on this study, is clearly no. Because in essence, what it really does, it makes it a regressive system because those folks at the lower end of the the totem pole will not be able to access as much money uh, early on. They don't live quite as long. Uh, And if they elect early, then they'll make even less money over that uh, lifetime. So it, it becomes regressive. And that's what happened when they raised the age from 66 to 67. I never thought of that before, never knew it. And so it was interesting to me, and that's what the reason I wanted to share it with folks, because it just sort of blew my mind. But uh, this this came from an article that was published in the NNO uh, Sunday, December the 8th. So if folks are interested in the article, uh, they they should go online and look look it up because it really is an interesting article as it relates to how Social Security works. Yeah. Well, there's obviously some issues with making sure that Social Security will continue to perform as it has in the past. But it's it's all a numbers game. You know, the number of people retiring versus the number of people Mm -hmm. who are paying into the system. You've Mm -hmm. got to make sure that adds up. But unfortunately, whenever there are changes like this, there are Mm -hmm. winners and losers. And uh, unfortunately, this one affects those who are less well to do than those who are wealthy. Well, uh, Well, Jason, I want to talk about trust. You know, I love trust as a planning tool for a lot of my clients. Do I have time to get into that before we take a break? I I don't want to interrupt you. So let's, how about we take a quick break here and then we'll dive into trust right after this. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Thank you for joining us. We had a discussion on Social Security, but we're turning to trusts now, Bill. And I know this is a, a favorite topic of yours because uh, there's, uh, again, uh, some very important decisions made when getting a trust. Well, there are an awful lot of families where a trust is a fabulous uh, planning tool. But and of course, as as you know, I, I do a, have been. I started a few months ago doing a seminar uh, every month on trusts and asset protection, and I'm really enjoying uh, doing the seminar. It's a lot of fun. Um, and um, but I get so many folks that say I don't understand trust. Tell me about trust. Teach me. Do I need one? You know, is it appropriate for me? And and the fact is. Not everybody needs a trust. However, it's an extremely great tool for those folks who are seeking some kind of asset protection. It's also a a great planning tool. Um, So let's go to Trust 101. What is a trust? You know, if you get, if you just Break it down to its essentials, it's real easy. It's a contract. 
it's all it is is an agreement that is enforceable. Okay, that's all it is. And so people, when they say, "I don't understand it," it's like, "Well, you understand what an agreement is, of course." Okay, so um, that's what a trust is. Now, it's it's and for most people. It's an agreement that you make with yourself. Now, that's scary, isn't it? (laughs) Okay. I mean, when you think about New Year's resolutions, how often do we break those contracts? (laughs) But, uh, okay. So, in essence, uh, unlike – now, a typical contract or a typical agreement is between two people, two parties, uh, and – Sometimes there's a what's called a third-party beneficiary. There's someone else who benefits by that uh, agreement that might not be the first two people. So, uh, and you can think about that too. But a trust is one, generally speaking, where you create an agreement. You you create a platform of what you want for yourself and your family. You typically appoint a trustee, and for most folks, when they create a trust, guess who they appoint as the trustee? Themselves. Exactly. And it's okay. So that seems pretty easy. Uh, And then you create in your agreement those folks that you want to benefit by this agreement. So who do you think the primary beneficiary is going to be for a trust. Uh, Spouse or a child? No. Well, spouse, maybe. uh, But yourself. Yourself. You know, so basically you're now – I also do a lot of joint trusts where a husband and wife create a trust together for themselves. And then, of course, they also include generally children and, and grandchildren at some point, but what's the goal of every couple? Take care of themselves first. And then, now, while your, your children are young, it's also, you know, the children are in there too, then they have a priority in, the, in, um, in your life. But hopefully you live long enough to where you become an empty nester, and they're out on their own, and they're productive, and they're not coming back for money from you. And I wish that were true for most of us, but... Uh, the uh, the parents among us know that we never get rid of our kids. I mean, <laughs> they're always back. <laughs> and we want them to be able to come back. We just don't want them to – we don't want to have to support them financially. If, but that's, you know, it's, it's just the way it is. But, okay, but the fact of the matter is, is that our trust agreement is pretty simple. And – um, you can have a trust that you create while you're alive, and we call those living trusts, and those are separate agreements. You can also create a trust in your will, your last will and testament, and we call those testamentary trusts because obviously that's a trust that doesn't come alive and do what you want it to do until you die. You have to die. Because your will is just a worthless piece of paper until it's accepted by the clerk of superior court as your last will and testament. And that's if you have a trust in your will. And 
And and frankly, in asset protection planning, we often will create a testamentary trust for our spouse for asset protection purposes, and we do that frequently. And it's a it's a wonderful way to go. Um, and and uh, a lot of folks don't realize that you can create a trust for your spouse, and and you're you're doing it. Um, to some degree for long-term care planning. That's where we use testamentary trusts the most, where we either have a special needs child or we have a spouse who is sick or may get sick uh, in the future. So we create a trust for them in our will that is non-countable. It become, that what goes into that trust is a non-countable asset for Medicaid planning. So if, if your spouse needs nursing care or is already in a nursing home and you create a trust for that spouse, uh, those assets in the spouse are not countable. In other words, the spouse can stay on Medicaid or become eligible for Medicaid if they need nursing care. And so it's a very powerful instrument. It's based on federal law. It's wonderful. It's it's a great tool to protect property for your family. And then when your spouse dies, now obviously if it's in your will, you're already dead for it to have to exist. Uh, and so you've protected your spouse with that trust. And uh, then at, at your spouse's death, then what's left in the trust goes to family members. It's not reimbursed to Medicaid or anything like that. So it's really great. But the trust that most people use is what's called a revocable trust. Uh, it doesn't require a tax ID number. It uses your Social Security number. It doesn't create – doesn't need um, – uh, you don't file an income tax return for that trust. Uh, IRS ignores it, uh, but it, but you, by using a trust, you avoid probate and court administration over those assets, which makes it easier on the family in terms of uh, when there's a death. And then you can also do asset protection in those trusts for a surviving spouse, and primary what folks a lot of folks use it for actually is for asset protection for children and grandchildren, and those are really neat. Uh, but the uh, fact is that you can use trusts for wonderful planning opportunities, and uh, while they are more expensive to create at, at you know when you're alive. Uh, they reduce significantly the costs at death and make make um, the administration of your estate ten times easier, faster, cheaper uh, at death. It's because uh, you're doing the work in advance, if you will. So it works really well. Yeah, it's a great planning tool. And if you want to learn more about trusts, sign up for the January seminar all about asset protection. This is in addition to the long-term care assistance seminars that Bill puts on for free. You can find more information at WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website. You can click on the seminars button and find more information, WGALaw.com. Or you can call 919 919- Two five six seven thousand nine one nine two five six seven thousand. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio six eighty WPTF.
You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, reminding you if you want to find more information or maybe download the Asset Protection Today podcast, head over to WGALaw.com and you can find more information there. Bill, I know before we head out, you have a parting shot that you want to share with us. Well, I do, and I'll I'll remind folks again, but you, you know. Come next year, uh, the census is coming around. It only comes around every 10 years, and it is extraordinarily important for all of us to stand up and be counted. It doesn't matter. You, you may hate politics. It has something to do with politics, too. But it also has to do with how much money the federal government sends to North Carolina. And it's extremely important when it comes to that. So it's, it is super important for folks to be counted in the census. And I'll be talking more about that later. It's a duty that's not terribly difficult to fulfill, but it is something that we will be addressing in upcoming episodes of this show as well. We hope you'll join us every Saturday morning at 11. It's Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a great weekend.